Who's that? <laughs> if we haven't met, my name's, uh, my name's Andy. It's so good to be here with you this morning. And what a week to, to be at church, not just for these guys, but uh, man, when we saw uh, the message from, from uh, Debs on, on Thursday morning, right? Sort of woke, woke up to that, getting the kids ready, and suddenly, bam, on your phone is a, is a sense of grounding and reality in your life to what life is all about. And uh, didn't know how serious it was until, until after, the, after the fact. I mean, you hear of things. We, at the time when we got that news, we knew Mike was good, okay, that he was waiting for, for a procedure in, in Victoria, so that's all good. But very serious stuff and very thankful uh, to the parents of this house, the parents of this church who established, who I don't know where me and Camilla would be uh, without this place sowing into us, these spiritual parents here, uh, are well and with us, and it's just awesome to have. And as well, those testimonies as well, um, Freedom Session, Doug, thank you so much for, for pouring into, how many years has it been now, Doug? Is it four or five years, maybe even, maybe even more than that, that that's been happening at Oceanside? And I gotta say, it's there's so many fruitful things that Oceanside does, and Freedom Session is one of the amazing things, and it takes a lot of co uh, commitment to get through it and do it. But let me tell you, boy, is there fruit. When you know someone personally who's gone through Freedom Session and has do it and has come out the other side, there is fruit upon fruit, and it's big fruit. So if you need to see healing in your life, maybe if you just feel like there's something that you need to go deeper on, please, please see that. I'm going to keep it short this morning here, and um, actually, it, it kind of fits in well, but man, this is, as we came to the end of this yeah, week with all of that news, we just, it's a reality check, it's a gut check, and it's a, hey, what are we hungry for in this town, in this church, in our families, and in this city? You know, Mike, I spoke to him on the phone a couple of times, and spoke to Debs, and Debs is like, oh, Mike's got a new lease on life now. He's just raring to go. I'm like, that's amazing. And sometimes that happens, right? You have, you come at, you have a close call with the other side and you, you just see with clarity what God has called you to and the importance of what he's put in your hand. Uh, the last few weeks, if you're, if you're new here or, or don't know, we held a conference a few weeks ago and we had a, had a guy in the church by the name Dave Hager, uh, a prophetic voice from Australia, and he ministered before the conference. But after the conference, two weeks ago, he, he shared seven things that he was seeing uh, for Oceanside in, in sort of the season to come. And the last one that he mentioned was that he said that this church will be an Isaiah 55 well to the city. For those who are broken, for those who are lost, for those who are thirsty, it was a come to the waters, come to Jesus and be satisfied. And I think when God is doing something in your life, when God is breaking something or when you're suffering brokenness and you're asking God, hey, what is happening next? You suddenly become very, very hungry. And when Dave walked in the church on, the, on July 17th, that really resonated with me. Actually, in my Bible for the, the previous two weeks, I had, I had Isaiah 55 as well bookmarked as like, God, you're saying something here in these, in these things. And when he ended off uh, in, in the prayer meeting and then he brought it in the message as well, I'm just like, man, I'm going to preach on Isaiah 55 to see what God is doing here, to see what kind of church that God is looking for for this next season for the people of Nanaimo. I want to ask you, church, this morning, is God big enough to reach Nanaimo? 
Is God powerful enough to heal and bring us through the storms? Yes, he is. God is big enough and powerful enough. And I felt convicted as I've been reading this scripture in these last three weeks as it's been hitting me. as It's just like, how hungry am I? How thirsty am I? How big is my God? And what do I believe about his purpose to reach this city? This church is an amazing church. Mike and Debs have set this thing up well. We are privileged to come in at a season where it's easy, easier than what they went through. It's already set up. There's already things going on. There's already leaders. There's already supports. There's, always, there's already fruit happening. But God is wanting to expand our vision into the city and ask us to say, what is the next faith level that it will require for his purpose here? I'm just going to read Isaiah 55, and then we'll bring out four points from it. He says this, and this is, this is the prophet speaking before Jesus came. He starts off with an invitation in Isaiah 55, and, and turn there if you have your Bibles, but he says, Come, everybody who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for, for that which is not bread? And why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight, delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, I, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run, shall run to you. And because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found." Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly, abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth... For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and thoughts than your thoughts. For the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so that my word, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return empty, but it shall accomplish which, that which I purpose. And it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns shall come the cypress. Instead of the brier shall come the myrtle. It shall make a name for the Lord. An everlasting sign shall not be cut off. Church, 
when I was studying this word, it was, it was mainly about the invitation of what God was inviting to us at the, at the beginning of, of this passage. But as I've been going through, I've been just seeing, yeah, four things about how God wants to reach the city and why and how and how he's going to do it, I believe. And point number one is I believe God is calling us as a church to only be satisfied when we are feasting from his table. How many of you know that we can go through long seasons of our lives with being satisfied on the wrong things? We can be satisfied with the counterfeit thing or we can be satisfied with the thing that doesn't produce to the full effect what God wants to in our lives. It's easy in a hot season to talk about how thirsty we are. I think last night I must have drunk three liters of water before I went to bed. I'm very good at drinking coffee throughout the day. I'm very good at drinking those little bubbly things that are really addictive. But there's something about them that don't quite satisfy the thirst of of what God made us perfectly for. Water sustains life. It is needed for life. But a person who is not thirsty will what? Will die. You hear about the condition of people where they can't feel pain in their body. They touch a hot stove and they don't know it's hot and they'll get burned. They'll, 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 they'll have an injury and they won't, the, the pain nerves won't work properly and they won't know it's hurting or something like that. Mike, Mike mentioned that with the heart attack. Not everybody who has a heart attack feel the pain, the warning sign to fix it. And I want to say firstly here, church, is that the thirst in your life is a call to action to drink. In these verses, it says, come by wine and milk, and it says water as well. The waters of God are refreshing, but he also has milk there for nourishment, and he also has wine there as well for the party time as well. It's like, why is, why is Jesus including wine there in this list? It's not a boring thing to be satisfied at God's table. There is joy at God's table. There is peace at God's table. There is fulfillment at his table. And church, if Nanaimo is going to see an outpouring from this place, we have to be a people who are hungry to sit at his table. I was sitting with someone yesterday man who's going through a journey. First, first time I met him, um, he's, yeah, he's new to the church and he's just saying, you know, it's been a hard season in his life. But he's saying it's been such a fruitful season because as he's walked through different issues, as he walked through some health issues in the last two years and as he's walked through some work issues and without work and all this other stuff, he's, he said, God is just satisfying me with his presence and only his presence. And just listening to him, thinking about what this man is experiencing in the last two years, I was deeply, deeply touched as I almost wanted what he had. I wanted that season of thirst in my life where I would say, Lord, I will only be satisfied with your presence. God begins everything with asking us to come to the table and he causes us to be thirsty and to cry out for him. If you go to a banqueting feast and you fill up before you go there, you might not want to eat. So church, we need to come to God's table thirsty. Jesus as well says in John 7, 37, he says on the last day of the feast, so this is after the big feast, after he's talking to a bunch of people who are well satisfied. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, 
It's a funny picture, isn't it? You're at a nice banqueting table. You're at a nice celebration. And Jesus stands up, interrupts everything. And he says this, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Church, it's the rivers of living water that God is calling us to here this morning. And when Dave's brought Isaiah 55, and when it just resonated with me there, and he said, this will be a church that is a well to the city. I want to say this will be a church that will be an overflowing well to the city. That as rivers run throughout the city, they set their own course and direction. When you look at the Grand Canyon, now I've never been, but who's been, who's been to the Grand Canyon? But I've seen rivers as they've shaped and as they've, as they've meandered through. No mountain is strong enough. No piece of dirt is strong enough. No rock is strong enough to stand in the way of a mighty running river. And church, that is the picture for this church in Nanaimo. How mighty will this river run for the city? God is making us thirsty. And yes, it's for our own healing. We see those amazing testimonies. And yes, you need to be healed, church. If God is bringing up things in your life and you're thirsty, yeah, maybe you're thirsty because your marriage is broken. Maybe you're thirsty because you don't have a good relationship with your kids. Or maybe you're thirsty because you're, you need healing. God wants to do all those things, but he's going to cause, once that thing happens, he's going to cause it to overflow in your life to the outward world around you. And that what was happening to me yesterday when God was speaking to this man for the last two years, he was overflowing into me as I could feel the presence on him. And I was like, wow, what is God going to do next with this guy who's hungry, who's thirsty, but is now overflowing into the world around him? Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Church, do we have rivers pouring out of our hearts here this morning? Jesus also said in John 6, he said, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Church, we spend our lives chasing the things that don't quite satisfy. When I was a young 16-year-old kid, I worked for two, maybe three years, saving up money to buy this electric guitar. It was a custom-made electric guitar. It was from the United States, and I saved up, I think I saved a thousand and a half pounds uh, up to buy this thing. And it was my idol. I'd, I'd custom-spected out. I'd made it the colors I wanted. I'd picked the pickups that I wanted. I picked the, you know, the fretboard and all the different kind of woods that I could, that I could get my hands on. And I just, I just had more money than I knew what to do with because I didn't have much else going on in my life as a 16-year-old kid who was working. And so that was about 3,000 US dollars at the time, which was a lot of money. Like, I mean, that's a long time ago now. It's nearly 20 years ago now that this was, that this was going on. And I bought that guitar and I remember it arriving on my doorstep and opening up the case and it was ready to go. And I'm just like, oh, I don't really want that. <laughs> Have you had that same experience in your lives at some times where you've saved, where you've, where you've run a race to try and achieve something and as soon as you got the thing, I think I half expected this guitar to make me a really good guitar player and it didn't happen. But church, where are we setting our eyes on? What are we satisfying ourselves in? Where could we put our resources for that thirst and that hunger that God has to bring about first? My second point here 
this morning as I read on and I was thinking, okay, this is all about thirst. This is all about coming to the table of God. This is all about becoming full and with what he's got for us. But I was challenged in verse 4 and 5 about how God makes us effective to the people around us. And in verse 4, he says, behold, he's talking about David here, but he says, behold, I made him a witness to the people, a leader and a commander for the peoples. And he says this in verse 5, and some, some people disagree about who, who, the, who Scripture is referencing here, whether it's referencing Jesus or if it's still referencing David or, or so on, but it shows us a picture of what God does. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples, and behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know. And a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. And in this verse, I stopped and I paused. And what gave me pause was this section where it says, a nation that did not know you shall run to you. And I felt God challenge the very way that I've been thinking about our nation and our nations as they get further and further away from following Christ. And I felt him say there is coming a day where the nation will run back to the church. I felt like God was saying that you shall call a nation that you do not know. In a certain sense, we, we become more and more alienated as the divide between uh, a biblical living and the Canadian dream and the American dream and all the other dreams and everything like that goes further and further away. Every opportunity, every, as, the, as the pieces grow further apart, I felt God remind us that he is creating opportunity in our midst to see a massive running back of the nation to the church. It's been picking up in little pieces here, but as you meet people from day, from day on to day, people are dissatisfied. People know that the world is broken. People know that something is wrong, but they need to see a better way. And I love the way that this verse ended. And I was like, okay, but how? But how do we call a nation? And how does a nation end up running back to the church for which it, for which it doesn't like at all? And it says at the end here, it says, for he has glorified you. And I felt God wanting to bring a challenge here this morning to the church to say, how has God glorified us to reach the nation, to reach the city? I felt like sometimes that we, you know, you, you go as a Christian into your, in your secular, secular workplaces or around the city and you, we don't advertise it. We hide it. You know, there's not as many fishes on the back of cars these days, <laughs> you know, out of fear of repercussions or something like that. You know, it's not the most popular thing to be a Christian out in the world. But I felt God say, I have glorified you. Just like I glorified my son. Just like I glorify anybody who has my indwelling Holy Spirit and is living according to the way of Jesus. I have glorified you. And church, he has glorified you in this city. A nation, a people, a world who are growing increasingly dissatisfied with the status quo will somewhere along the line see a people who do not share their insecurities. We'll see a people who are somehow being healed, just like those testimonies. Every testimony on that scream is an alert, is a scream out to the world out there saying there is healing when you come to Jesus. There is purpose when you come to Jesus. There is anointing when you come to Jesus. There is provision when you come to Jesus. 
God has made us glory, gloriful. The NIV says at the end in verse 5, it says, He has endowed you with splendor. But it is an otherworldly splendor and an otherworldly glory. It says the same thing. I don't think it, I wrote it down in Acts, but when, the, when the, some of the disciples were standing in front of um, some rulers in Acts, they said, you crucified the Lord who was glorified. And that shows us as well that even though God is glorifying, there will be parts of this world that don't see that glory. But church, I believe that there are people out there who are hungry, who are thirsty, who are starting to see the glory of the living church. We will see people come in and we will have the power for effective witness if we realize how he is, how he, what he is making us into. A forgiven people, a healed people, a secured people, a loved people, and a spirit-filled people. Church, that is a glorious people. And I want to tell you that it's more glorious than you know. We can get used to those things in this room and as we have connect groups and as we meet together. But I want to say here this morning is that what you have living inside you is so different to what they have living inside them that it needs to come out. It needs to be revealed. We need to ask for starting more opportunities to say, Lord, reveal your glory in this place through what you are doing in my life. One of Mike's favorite slogans is, you can't argue with a transformed life. God has transformed our lives and how will he put us on display for our community? Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know and a nation that did not know you shall run to you. I almost feel weird reading it because I just feel like that's not going to happen, God. No way is a nation going to run in the opposite direction. No way. And as last night I was just listening to different things and I was, I had never listened to a lot of Billy Graham and, and, uh, but I, I clicked on this video and I was listening to Billy Graham talk just before Camilla had gone to bed and I was just like, oh, I just want to watch some videos to kind of, that's what I do for fun, watch Billy Graham videos. No, it's not. The YouTube algorithm got me good last night. So, but I was listening to him and I was just like, just, just listening to what was happening around the world at that time. The king and queen were coming to listen. Wembley Stadium was full of, of people ready to hear the gospel. Stadiums across the state, stadiums across the world, ready to hear the gospel. Have we forgotten that that's possible? Was the world that different 50, 60 years ago? People weren't different. Technology is different, but that's about the only thing. We're still exactly the same, and God wants to do the same thing in our midst. And God wants to raise the expectation to say that you can call entire nations, and they will start running to you as they see that you have the hope, that you have the peace, that you have the healing, that you have the power of the living God in your midst. Church, we need to be thirsty, we need to be satisfied, and we need to expect that God will use his healing within us, his glory that he's putting within us to reach the nation. My third point here is that the, a church needs to be confident in God's sent word, purpose, and will. In verse 10 and 11, just look with me here. It says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, shows so shall my word that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose 
and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. What I love about this scripture when I was looking at this is that the decision is God's <laughs> to work his purposes. The decision is not ours. I, I was confused at the, at the beginning of studying this for why is verse 10 there? Why is, why, is, why is Isaiah talking about the rain that comes down from heaven and then things that grow up? And what came to me was this, is that the rain pours down from heaven. The seed is there. When, the seed, when a seed in the ground is hit by rain and it's hit by sunshine and it's in soil, does the seed decide to grow, church? Does it think, hey, now's a good day to grow? Does it do that? No. Same with a child in the womb. The child in the womb doesn't decide to grow. God has put it awesomely together there so that it grows when the, when the, when the right things are reached together. And God is saying this to the church. He's saying this to us. That when God's spirit comes, when the waters run, Growth will happen, and it's not even a choice. <laughs> God cannot come in this city. God cannot pour out, living water cannot pour out from believers in this city, and the city not be changed. Sure, it, will, it might not reach everyone. We, we know the parable of the sower where the, the seeds fell in different places. But God wants to remind us that there is seed that has been sown and there is good soil that has been sown, uh, that there is there, and that there is a thirsty people ready for an outpouring. I know there's people at your workplaces who are opposed. I know there are people who are offended with the gospel. I know there are tons and tons of people. They're the loudest people who are most opposed to what's going on at this room here this morning, what you believe that's, that's written in your Bibles. But there is a huge group of people a group of people that we have made this big in our minds that are ready to receive and are hungry and thirsty for something more. And God wants to remind us, church, that it's his purpose and it will succeed if it's the thing that he sent it to do. Our mission to the city is not how well we do it or how good our media is or how big our Love Your City event is. It's does God want to do it? Is it his purpose? And church, I believe it's his purpose to reach this city because he reached me and I don't think he wanted to stop with me and I don't think he wanted to stop with you. Many of us have faith that God's word is true, but how many of us have faith that still believe it is powerful into the nation today? The seed must grow when the water is poured out on it. God's word shall not return empty. John 21, Jesus is talking to the disciples from, from off the shore and they're fishing out in the ocean and they can't really see who's on the shore to see who's, who's talking to them. But Jesus said to them, he says, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Church, we need to incline our ear to Jesus. We need to listen to his command because as soon as we do that, there is a harvest that comes. God doesn't say that he needs people. No, I'll skip that. Stay on the notes. Church, we need to be a church 
that live out the purposes that he decides. We're not a prosperity gospel church. I don't know if that's jargon for you here this morning or not, but we, we know that we're like, oh, there's the prosperity gospel that teaches that if you come to Jesus, you'll get wealthy, you'll get healthy, and all this other stuff. But I was listening to some stuff recently, and it was just like, and they were just, um, they're just like, you know, we know we're not the prosperity gospel, but this thing of the prosperity gospel has crept into the North American church. That even though we, though we know that our salvation didn't come just for wealth and health and all this other stuff, that sometimes that creeps into it. Sometimes the thing that is the prosperity gospel in our lives as a church is that we think his purposes is just about us. God, what do you want me to do? What job do you want do you want to give me? Where do you want me to live? Which city do you want me to go? Who do you want me to marry? And all this other stuff. And all that stuff is good. God wants you to make good decisions about where you work and who you marry and all this other stuff. But church, we need to be caught up with a whole other level of why we are here and what we are purposed to do. We are called as a people, as a group, to reach a city for His purpose. If it was just about my purposes, man, I would have a a good life, and we wouldn't need to preach these messages because I'm saved and I'm good, but it's about who is out there. Jesus went through this own battle in his life as well. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, yet not my will be done, but yours be done. And we need to have the same Jesus moment there as well. And church, as we land this thing and I'm guessing we're not calling the band up. I don't know. It's your meeting, Wes. No. Okay. In verse 12 and 13, Paul, uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, you had a dream right before the equip, and you're just like, God's speaking about joy, and uh, Paul never dreams. I think he mentioned it here during the equip or somewhere around there. But uh, this, this passage en ends with sort of this piece. In verse 12, it says, For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And church, we need to be a church that is going in joy and led by peace. A joy which transcends situations, which transcends difficulty. Joy isn't ignorant of hardships, but the joy that comes to believers who know what God is doing into eternity, it's an eternal joy, it's a steadfastness. Jesus says this in John 16, verse 33. He says, I have, said things, I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. How do we get peace? How do we get joy in Jesus? We know that he's overcome it. And how does Mike and Deborah have joy and peace in Jesus, even though this last week has rocked their socks off? Because they know that Jesus has overcome the world. Even if that text message was very different on Thursday morning about, Mike's not here anymore. That, that's not what happened. But someday it's happening to all of us, right? The reason why we're still joyful and at peace is because Jesus has overcome the world. That it's not my will, it's his will be done on earth. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let, your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. 
If you're not in a place, if you're not at peace or you're not in a place, in a place of peace, we need to become satisfied sufficiently on the Son of God at his table with his thirst that he is causing to be stirred up. So as we end here, I want to say that God is looking for a thirsty and hungry people. A people who are unsatisfied with the temporary things of this world. There are many beautiful things in this world. I think about lots of things that is just beautiful. Even his creation, getting out in creation, even though our relationships, they all have an eternal aspect to them. But we need to be a people who are unsatisfied with the things that are here today and gone tomorrow. A people who will feast on the presence of God and have living waters flow out of their hearts. A people ready to witness and receive a nation. Wes had a, had a word in the prayer meeting this morning that God wants to, I think I'll put words in your mouth here, but that God is going to create our church to be a little less tidy and a little less uh, comfortable because of who he wants to bring into the church and what he wants to happen in the church. And church, I believe that as well. We need to be ready to receive a nation. Who does, who does the invitation go out at the beginning of this? Come anyone who thirsts or anyone who is thirsty. But he also says, he who has no money, come buy without cost. A people who will, be, who will believe that there remains power in the word of God. We need to be that people. And we need to be a people who know that nothing can stand in the way of God when it's his purpose to achieve that thing. We could hear testimony upon testimony of testimony of how the purposes of God have come about in this room. And we need a people, be a people who have his joy and are led by his peace. In Isaiah 44, earlier, a few chapters earlier, it says this. It says, For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon your offering and my blessing on your descendants. Jesus as well says, everyone who drinks of the water, of this water, talking about a physical water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. We need to have our thirst quenched. We need to come to the table. We need to realize that Jesus is glorifying his bride and making her beautiful in real glorified ways. We need to know that we're calling the nation, we're running to the nation, and God's purposes will prevail. Church, it's God's heart and his mission to reach this city. And love your city. Again, we prayed in the prayer meeting this morning, led by Mike, that we wouldn't just become an event outreached orientated church, which is true. We do this, we do this once a year and we have other things that are going on. But we do pray that when we come to Love Your City next week, that when each of us comes, not just for the 10 a.m., but comes to serve and to, to see people who are coming through, that we would have eyes to see who God is stirring up. Is God's mission to Nanaimo impossible? No, it's not. He just needs a people who are hungry and who have it pouring out. We need to be ready. We need to be ready to go. I'll finish there. I'll pray for us. Are you guys doing okay? Sweet, cool. No. You're quiet. 
there's aircon in here, so you know, so you can you can stay before you go reach reach the heat outside. But let let's pray, church, and let's pray over next week. Lord God, we thank you that you have brought us to this city. Lord, we thank you for Mike and Debs that established a a beachhead in this city 25 years ago. Lord, we thank you for their strength. We thank you for their anointing. We thank you for their, for, for their calling that continues and their ministry that continues, Lord God, to this city. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for every person in this room and people watching online who have a place to call home, Lord God. But Father, we pray, Lord God, for the people sitting here this morning who are with us this morning, Lord God, that you would start to make us hungry again. Lord, wake us up. Wake us up, Lord God, to the realities of what you're doing. Lord, wake us up. Invite us to the table as you've sent the invitation out. And Lord, I pray that we would feast upon you. And Lord, I pray that we would know that that feast isn't just for our benefit, but it's to be invited out for every man, every woman, every, every child, Lord God, in this city to also come to the table. Lord, we pray that you would show your glory in this city through the church. We pray that that picture of a nation running, a nation that is outside of the limits, a nation that is, is running back to the Lord. We pray that that would happen in our nation. Bring it soon, Father God. Lord God, and we pray for our city, Father. We pray that you would start with us, make us hungry, send us out in your joy and your peace to reach the people of this city. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So we'll close it there. Again, a reminder, um, the Rooted Ladies evening is happening on the 13th. That's the Saturday after Love Your City. You'll want to be at that if you're uh, a lady, I guess. Um, and then Love Your City next week. So if we have to tell you for the 16th, 17th time, we will not be here uh, next Sunday because we will all be down at the park. And if you would like to be baptized, we've got uh, uh, three or so people getting baptized at the moment. It's going to be an amazing, an amazing thing. Uh, so come speak to me or, or anybody else that's in leadership here and we will sign you up. Uh, Beth is at the table at the back with her laptop. Wave, Beth. I think that's Beth. My eyesight's not that good. Hey, Beth, uh, she's at the back. If you uh, have any questions about where you're serving or if you would still like to jump in and serve, I still believe we have some slots in the, in the later in the afternoon for a, a two-hour period. Please, guys, come serve. Get connected with your community. It's a, it's a massive thing. The day always goes way, way, way too quickly. Uh, and good news, it's not going to be as hot next week as well. But God is going to do something. We don't know exactly what he's going to do, but God wants to reach this city, and we're blessed to have this event. Uh, awesome. Missed anything else? No? Okay. Everybody to the river and uh, go have a swim. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, church. <laughs>